Carnivorous couch. Shit happens once a week. It swallows us for two hours wait, when wait, we try to sleep. Hey, it forces us to watch a film about which we then speak. Carnivorous couch. With Brady and Rob. Hey everybody, 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 welcome to another episode of Carnivorous Couch, the film podcast where we do a film a week from two film geeks. I'm Rob, and I'm here. And I'm Brady. And there you're I Brady. am, up on, the, oh, up on the big screen, Rob. Yes, we're, uh, we're live on the interwebs. For, for those only listening, we are also on the telly. Exactly. Not on, like, a network telly so, yet. So this is our first test of this setup. We've got uh, David Shalin in the other room producing, so he's listening and, and, and switching the cameras and doing the doohickeys. Thank you, David. <laughs> the cameras seem to be a little jolty over here, but, well, we'll just see how it goes. It's a test, after all. Uh, yeah. um, so if you want to watch us on Twitch, our handle is Carney Couch, like it is basically everywhere else, and I'll let you know if I get a YouTube stream up, too. So, thanks for joining us. We did... Uh, Bonnie and, and Clyde. Clyde. Yes, from 1967? 67. 67. Um, starring Faye Dunaway mm -hmm. and Warren Beatty yeah. and Gene Wilder's in there and Gene Hackman's in there, the two Genes. Hackman, the Genes. And, um, and, uh, Pat Oswalt. <laughs> Yeah, Michael J. Pollard, uh, Beta Pat, and Jay Oswald. They were just, you know, working at the kinks. Exactly. And probably listening to the kinks as well. <laughs> yeah, I guess it was 1967. Oh, yeah. So I guess uh, we start with the most important question, which is, Brady, how are you doing today, my man? Uh, you know, I got a muscle tear, so that's not great, but... Um, but earlier in the week, I didn't know it was a muscle tear, so I thought it was something worse. So I am comparatively a lot better than when I thought my like spleen was ruptured or something. Yes, yes. You're very much relieved, I, I take it. Yeah, though still in a, a fair amount of pain. But no, no, it's, uh, probably this week it should heal, and then if, if it doesn't, then I gotta see what's up. And me, I'm doing all right. Um, a little bit hungover, but it's passing. It's passing. Um, it's Sunday, after all. Yeah, that's what happens. I just, I just, I just didn't eat enough. So, at any rate, uh, I guess we start with the plot synopsis? Uh, yeah. And I basically have written beats, so I guess I'll do it. Yeah, good. Okay. DVD menu style. Yes. Well, we start with captivating blocking, which is just Faye Dunaway walking around naked and just barely <laughs> being covered mm -hmm. by this and that. And then she looks out the window and barely... Uh, not showing anything, um, sees this guy messing with her mom's car. What the hell? And she's like, hey, you stay right there. Why are you messing with my mom's car? So, uh, yeah, he goes down there, and he talks to her. Well, she talks to him, and he talks to her, and then she's got to go to work, so he's going to walk her into town anyway. Um, so, uh, then... He walks her into town, and he's all flashing his piece around. She's like, you don't have the guts to use it. And then he goes in and robs a... What's he rob? I think it's a grocery store. Yeah, he robs the grocer. Um, who's, who's got heat himself. Yeah, and then they steal a car and run away, and 
and like she's all hot and bothered by this, but mm -hmm. then like he's not interested, and uh, so he's like, um, you know, he doesn't. He's not into sex. Yeah. So then they take their like seven dollars or whatever they've got and go out to a diner, and then he's sitting there talking with her, and he basically tells her the story of his life. Like he's a he's he's a master manipulator. He's just able to just kind of like like figure out by looking at somebody kind of what will get them. Mm -hmm. And uh, later we see he does this with CW by basically just calling him chicken. <laughs> um, so, yeah, at any rate, um, then they're doing target practice at a repossessed property. It's the middle of the Depression, after all. And uh, the previous owners come by. Yeah, some sharecroppers or whatnot come by to be like, well, I And they're do like, what? hey, you go right ahead. You go ahead. The place used to be mine. We're just here for like a, a last look. Yeah, we don't like banks, young man. We do not like banks. And then uh, Clyde hands his pistol over to the guy and lets him sh shoot at it. And then he calls his, his helping hand down the way and has him shoot at it. You know, I noticed that the, the black guy was probably a, a slave at one point in his life, maybe, or is. Uh, you know, I mean, so maybe it's something going on with the prejudice. Maybe, he shoots. Yeah. He shoots the house right through the window of the master bedroom. He does. He, does. <laughs> he doesn't shoot the sign that says the owner of the bank. That's Just a tidbit that I thought of when I saw it. He's yeah, because what is? I hate these motherfuckers. Oh no, it's the depression towards the thirties. Nah, he probably wasn't there for slavery, if I had to guess, but maybe. Yeah. Eh, who knows? Who knows? At any rate, um. Uh. Then they go from there. They meet this CW guy at the gas station. They tell him they rob banks, and he's just kind of got like a "all right, then fuck it" attitude, and just like takes all the money out of the till and heads off with him. Mm -hmm. uh, they uh, they go rob a bank, but the dude kind of fucking parks the car <laughs> because he sees like a hot lady, and then he's just like gonna like watch her from a nice parking spot. Yeah. Uh, and because of this, they can't find the car quick enough. They get kind of caught up with pe with people, and Clyde ends up killing somebody. He does. Yeah, he shoots. He's hanging off the the board of his car. A dedicated bank manager who like is <laughs> holding onto the car, and he, yeah, he shoots him. So, um, let me see. Am I missing anything? After that, they they go uh, meet up with uh, Buck. Buck Barrows, right? Which Buck is Barrow, Clyde's older brother. Yes, and played by Gene Hackman, and uh, he's kind of he's kind of down. He's got a little criminal streak himself, and yeah. so he says, "All right, let's go like uh, rent a house and and go on vacation." And uh, so they do that, and they take along uh, Buck and Blanche, Blanche's his, wife, his wife, who is uh, pretty religious. She's a, a preacher's daughter. She's and the son of a preacher man. She's the she's the daughter of a preacher man, and she likes to scream. She screams a lot in this movie. She does. She fucks shit up by screaming. So anyway, um, oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> so they go on vacation. Bonnie absolutely hates it. She it's a constant thing. She doesn't like having all this family and all these people around because they're not her people. Right. So she likes Clyde. Yeah, it's kind of always... I mean, she likes um, CW, I think. Yeah. they got a little rapport. Buck, I think she finds grating, and she just hates Blanche. And Blanche hates her. Yes. So, at any rate, uh, 
they rob another um, bank and there's a getaway scene uh, interspliced with the news people interviewing the witnesses and uh, Clyde lets one patron keep his money but this is where we start in with the everybody's talking about when will they get killed right because right. like the patron goes like they did right by me I'll send flowers to their funeral yeah <laughs> like, um, it's like they're great they're totally done for and then a hole gets shot in the oil pan so they steal Gene Wilder's car. Now, I the might be too far into it now. I skipped Oops, the... Sorry. Uh, when did they kidnap the sheriff? Oh, that's before Gene Wilder. So, yeah, yeah. they uh, they stop by a little lake. And at this point in the story, they're kind of having fun and, like, things are at a lighter tone. Which I think the Gene Wilder scene at the end kind of marks our tonal shift into, oh, yeah, but you guys are going to die. Um, because Gene Wilder's <laughs> an undertaker. It's like, I, I like that scene because they're basically mocking him and having jokes at his expense. Even though they become friendly, they're kind of like, you know, like, isn't this funny that we're the scary bank robbers and we're poking at his ribs? And then the uh, punchline of the scene is he gets the last laugh because he's this dark omen. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm an undertaker. Yeah. And Faye Dunaway's like, fuck. They're stealing out of the my car. car. They're <laughs> very Gene Wilder just very repeating Gene the Wilder. thing. <laughs> My blue blanket. So yeah, that's true. Yeah, Gene Wilder. Um, but yeah, before that, they uh, they humiliate a Texas Ranger who's out for the bounty on their heads. They cuff him and take photos with him mm. uh, to you know get their infamy kind of circulating in the newspapers. Sorry, I'm looking at you. Am I supposed to be looking at the the telly or I, any? You can look wherever you want. I was just okay. I was just glancing at the thing. I can see you there. I can see you there. There I am. It's interesting. Hello. Uh, so yeah, because like a big thing about this movie, not to get into themes yet, but is like their branding. They're into like the branding of their legend. Uh, so Bo Bonnie has the keen idea of like if we do this, then it gets into the papers, and that's you know doing our all of our marketing work for us. Yeah. She would have been good at PR, but instead she got shot in her 20s. Yeah, but then the um, the um, the sheriff spits in her face and they set him adrift on, on like a boat. Yeah, they put him in a uh, canoe. And just kind of push him down the river. And then he, uh, he goes and films Deliverance and then he comes back to this movie later. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a yeah. canoe. You got to say Deliverance. <laughs> um, so... At any rate, and then we covered them uh, hanging out with uh, Gene Wilder for a little bit, but mm -hmm. they ditch him, take his car, and they go and visit Bonnie's family because Bonnie is just like freaking out. I mean, and going like, I gotta see my mom. Like, so the thing I wasn't clear on is like, do they go to them or do the does the family come to them? I mean, I, I think the it idea looks is like, like the family kind of meets them outside of town and they yeah. go, to, they rendezvous. Which is, like, the kind of sad, poignant idea that develops in that scene as, like, they're having this reunion you think would be all happy, but it it becomes clear to Bonnie, I think, in that moment that, like, no, no, you will never go home. And the mom's, like, because she suggests the idea of, like, oh, like, what if, uh, or Clyde does, like, what if, you know, your daughter lived, like, a few miles from you? Wouldn't that be great? And the mom's, like, you're crazy. You could never live by me. You'll get caught. Yeah. Yeah, so the mom tells him to keep running. Uh, and so, you know... Keep they running, card barrel. <laughs> so they keep... Uh, <laughs> uh, the mom's got serious tree trunks energy. Have you seen Adventure Time? Um, the little green yeah, elephant? Yeah, but not She's enough like of it. She's like very 
doddering in a southern way. He's like, well, I, I don't know about no, no Todd Byron. I don't, <laughs> I don't think these kids are the, the bank. They should be in the bank. Well, let's put it this way. They go on their merry way. With, they're still with Blanche and C.W. and Buck. And uh, Bonnie yeah. starts talking about being sad because the whole thing is like, this is family and stuff like that, but I don't have one and I can't. So um, she she's uh, she's getting pretty upset at this point. Yeah, I mean, um, that's, that's that tonal marker. Everything after Gene Wilder are the sad revelations of the realities of this. Like, that this may all look cool and be fun, but, like, you guys are headed down a doomed path from which... You cannot deviate at this point. Right. Uh, hey, fuck it, let's go is, is always fun, but, you know. But then uh, you gotta go. The, the piper comes a, a pay in here. The piper. Um, so, yeah, they, they're staying at a campsite at one point, and uh, Bonnie's all sad, and, like, uh, Clyde just kind of gets everybody out of there, but then Blanche gets um, caught or recognized. Yeah, I mean, there's like a police stakeout in the middle of the night. Yeah, well, then the the guy at the diner or whatever calls the sheriff. Right. And then the police come in and shoot the place up. Um, let me see. Buck gets shot and is wounded. Buck gets mortally wounded, shot in the head. As they're uh, as they're running away, and uh, Blanche gets shot in her eye. Right. And goes blind eventually. Um, well, they say the night over the thing. Um, Blanche and Buck get apprehended. Buck likely dies. Buck dies. Um, then, oh yeah, that's right, because after that, Bonnie and Clyde and CW get away, and they go to CW's dad's place. And he's just nice as everything to Dude, Bonnie faces. and Clyde's face, but he's kind of pissed off at his son, mostly for getting a tattoo. Mostly for getting a tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yes, so... Afterwards, Bonnie and Clyde are kind of hanging around and this and that, and uh, she writes a poem, and this is where she stops being all sad and she kind of accepts her death. Yeah. Because, like, in the poem, she writes about, like, that the, they're going to die together. Right. Um, and then CW kind of sets him up. Yeah, he's he's reluctant, but his his dad goes to the Texas Ranger they humiliated. Oh, yeah, CW's dad sets him up. And, yeah, sets up a deal and then tells his son, like, hey, this is what's happening, uh, and I got you a deal. You'll only do two years in prison, but you've got to, you know, you got to betray them or just not get in their car when they're leaving this town. Yes, uh, in Louisiana. And they see a cop when they're going to pick him up, so they go, uh, "We'll come back in twenty minutes when that cop's gone." Um, and yeah. For some reason. Uh, he's wearing a pair of sunglasses that's got, like, one clear eye and one sunglass. Oh, because the, the lens falls out at the beginning of the scene uh, when okay, he's getting in the car. Was. Got it. Uh, he's joking about it. Um, and I kind of want that for a costume now. Hey, that, I, that's actually a pretty neat idea. <laughs> yeah. You could get that cool white hat, I'm and then you'd villain. have the hat. Yeah. <laughs> Well, at any rate, CW sets them up. Uh, the sheriff from before and some other lawmen ambush them and fill them and their car with basically Swiss cheese. Yeah, the the iconic. Uh, yeah. Well, they don't fill it with Swiss cheese. They make the car and them into Swiss cheese. Yeah, they they, they riddle them with with bullets, uh, as uh, I think one Bonnie and Clyde biographer put it. They turn them into wet rags. Yeah, that's <laughs> gross. Um. But so, and that is like the end. It just 
That is the literal end, is the police looking over their dead bodies. Uh, and they specifically don't take their hats off. They don't the, take they, their hats Like, the, the cop takes his hat and just, like, pulls it down a little tighter. Just like, I'm not taking my hat off for you oh, bastards. You <laughs> damn kids. Okay, well, so that's the plot synopsis. The next thing we do, Brady, I want you to go first. It's this one. Hey, 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 how do we like it? How did you like this movie, Brady? Uh, I like it a lot. I, I maybe liked it a little less than I did on my first viewing. I think I originally had it at like A minus. I might go down more to B plus. And um, I want to do this without getting too heavy into themes still. Uh, but this is, it kind of reminds me of Easy Rider um, in the way that it's another movie that I like a lot and has a number of qualities to recommend it. And is very like vital emotional filmmaking, um, but like I think generates a lot of its co- a lot of its value. I think comes from its context, and you okay. know, and what okay. it was responding to, and you know, its its place in the '60s. It's it celebrated, I think, above all for its break with tradition. Because what the movie was doing, we can get into this, is like taking the French New Wave which was, like, very exciting, like, editing, the ability to be kind of, like, frank with sex and violence, and is kind of seen as the moment that's introduced into the American culture, that they're... And, and you know, if, if anything, it's it's America's film industry not being a closed system and saying, like, we're accepting all these influences from abroad, especially the French yeah, New Wave. Yeah, and they were doing the Peckinpah thing where they had, like different cameras running at different speeds so that when they were cutting back and forth it created all sorts of sort of visual effects and right. this and that. And then of course it's it's in this culture of the, the 60s of revolution of shirking off your parents' ideals of uh, as the Beatles Beatles had written the song She's Leaving Home probably around this time it is about two kids leaving home putting whatever the, the old vision of America was behind them even though the story takes place in the 30s but it, it's like this uh, almost wall-breaking story of, like, this is actually about us kids right now. And in this story, uh, th- and this very, like, you know, print the legend, like, larger-than-life story. Because I, you know, I think, uh, in actual fact, Bonnie and Clyde uh, didn't, didn't rob that many banks. Like, weren't as much these damn-the-man, damn-the-big-financial-institutions figures that they're seen as they did a lot of robberies of groceries like we see at the start and so like there's a lot of mythologizing in that and i think it was like the 60s generation finding a story that spoke to them in the idea uh, of kids you know rebelling against against everything and against the system that in the depression had put the, their backs against the wall yeah um and so you know it's all it's a very striking film um with a lot of energy and I think the acting is good. I don't know if I think any of the performances are great. Um, yeah. I, I love Faye Dunaway, though. I'd probably go with Dunaway as my MVP. Uh, Estelle Parsons won the Oscar for Blanche. I'm not sure I like that performance. Uh, but she's... I don't think it's her fault. I think she's given, like, three things to do, and one of them is screaming. Like, which is like... <laughs> and it's really annoying. It's very annoying. Like, even to the viewer. 
Even to the viewer, dear viewers. And for some reason, <laughs> even in this like climactic scene, we didn't mention where the Texas Ranger actually gets the final bit of information about them staying with CW's dad from Blanche. And so like he kind of like pries it out of her, and that's really the final nail in the coffin. Uh, for some reason, he just shows up behind her because she's blind. Her entire face is in a cast. And just to hear her scream one more time, he goes, Blanche! It's like, it, the film is like mocking this woman at this point. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, um, I don't know. We like, and she's weird. She's a weird character too. Cause she's, I don't know if like her ambivalence is either explained. Maybe it doesn't need to be explained, but then you'd think there'd be more about like what that says about the character that she's totally like a moral purist at the start. She's, she's, like, scandalized at every juncture, especially by Bonnie, who she does not like. But at a certain point... Uh, Bonnie does comfort her, though, when Buck's dying. That's true. Um, there's a little nuance there. But what I really mean is uh, the moment where she just seems to totally be okay with them living a bank robbers or, you know, the robberies, like, she's suddenly pretty okay with in a way that, like, for me, it was jarring. Mm-hmm. Um, Anyway, I like the movie. It's uh, it's stylish and cool. It's more maybe more influential than great, but uh, I think it's a pretty fascinating timepiece. Yeah, I mean, I I like it too. It was nice to sit down and watch it all the way through because I keep catching it on like those, you know, two three or seven three, like the movies channel or the, the this that actually, which is where I'm getting a lot of my suggestions now. Is because I just like oh, I think I'll put that on the server. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's, it's good watching Gene Wilder run around in a pink bathrobe. It or, is good <laughs> watching Gene Wilder. That is the truth. But, um, so, yeah, no, I finally got to see it all the way through. I feel like um, those channels cut out a lot uh, more beyond just, you know, taking a swear word out here or there or whatever. Like, that, I think they cut out whole scenes. Yeah, um, abridged. Yeah, it, it's very abridged. I, I don't think they even have her, like, visiting her mom. Oh, that's wild. Yeah. That's such, like, an emotional point. In a movie that I think of anything, like, like needs that emotion, because gets, like, for me, a little bit, like, because it's about, like, larger-than-life mythologizing is, like, maybe short on emotional moments like that. So that, anyway, sorry to cut you off. Yeah. That's a weird one to take out. Yeah, I mean, maybe they didn't, and I just missed it because I was at work. And I wasn't looking. The, I've seen the movie on rotation like four times, and I didn't see that part. So at any rate, um, I saw the beginning a bunch of times. Um, uh, yeah. So, no, I do like this movie. Um, I keep doing the thing where I go, like, it's Spice M, Peck and Pop, but I think that's just because of the various different kinds of tactics they were using. I learned in film school Arthur Penn alongside of Sam Peck and Pop, and... Right. I just can't get it right. Let uh, me look at my phone here just to see. Um, you keep talking, but I want to remind myself if I've seen any other Arthur Pens, which I know I have. But. Yeah, and so, I mean, it seems really much like a writer's movie, right? This, this movie has a very, um, you know, the characters are going through this progression, uh, and I feel like the main one is Bonnie. I'll save most of this for the what's it all about, but it's the leaving home, uh, realizing you'll never get to go back to home, accepting your death sort of journey that she goes through. Um, 
I really like the uh, the f uh, fuck it, let's go attitude that both CW and Buck kind of have. <laughs> like, yeah, I do too. Like, and even the um, the guy who's shooting at the house, you know, when his his old repossessed home. Oh yeah, it, it's just like everything is you know it's the depression, so everything is just so. Um, terrible <laughs> that everybody's just like well fuck it let's just do the next thing it doesn't matter anyway you know yeah so, I mean, in a weird way those old timers in front of the house could almost be seen as proxies for the kids watching this because in both cases it's like you know actually what you're doing criminality be damned it speaks to us because we're old timers we've been fucked by the bank we don't care what you do to banks like Screw those yeah. guys. Well, and the same for kids. Like, yeah, who, who cares about these institutions? I mean, and also it registers with the, the now times, too, right? Because, um, you know, there's the through line of he essentially, when he shoots the, um, the what's-his-face, the banker at the beginning, right? He feels bad about that murder and is, is like, uh, and Buck even questions him on it and says, like, um... You know, it was him or you, right? Um, they don't feel b bad about shooting any of the cops at all. No. <laughs> the cops are non-people, <laughs> basically. Um, uh, which is yeah. a sentiment that I hear often. Uh, it is a uh, popular these, sentiment nowadays. These days. Um, so, no, I think it's a very good movie. It's definitely, like, uh, it's, it's not a super high one, but it's still an A. Um, okay. So it's an A minus. It's like a ninety percent, um, you know, just just out of the B plus territory. And I think it's because these are um, themes and things that are universally rounded back to throughout, you know, this country or I'm sure many other countries. Um, questions about authority. Questions about like, hey man, can I just go do whatever? I was gonna say. Like, um our first, our first film ever was Cool Hand Luke. Yeah. We have spoken at length uh, over the course of this cast about iconoclasm. You're a fan of iconoclasm, as am I. We and have we, a rank it on even, the, yeah. uh, top iconoclast. So w would these guys crack that list? I mean, that, I know we did that a long time ago. I don't remember who was on mine. I know that I, one of my hot takes was putting Poppy from Happy Go Lucky <laughs> on mine, which I stand by. Iconoclasm, optimism. Um, but, yeah, w would Bonnie and or Clyde make your list of seven? Was it seven? Is that I what you're doing? We traditionally would do seven. <laughs> Man, we haven't done a rank in a while. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll get back to it. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think so. Uh, something like Badlands might uh, be something i got to think about. That's oh, Badlands Scene and um, Martin Scene and Sissy Spacek? Yeah, yeah, like, I don't want to uh, poop on Bonnie and Clyde, which I like a lot, but Badlands is, like, the deeper, better version of this movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, they probably would be. Anyway, uh, A- minus and uh, we've got more to talk about, but I just we don't want to get too far into it. I actually I maybe, hope we have more. maybe blew a, a few things by saying them too soon. But at any rate, what's it? Oh... About what's it all about, Brady? Uh, like I say, it's about. Um, oh wait, actually, let's do understudy, and then we'll come back and do what's it all about. Okay, then you have to reverse the what's it all about. 
<laughs> I think that worked. Okay, so understudy intro. We're so sorry we couldn't get the actors to do the scene from this screenplay, but we've got two understudies, and to be honest, they're probably more famous anyway. So try to catch the actors, try to guess the movies. Tweet us at C A R N Y Couch. This game called Understudy is happening, happening, happening right now. Cough, cough. <laughs> I assume you were making those cartoon noises to attract my attention. Am I correct in my assumption, you fish-faced enemy of the people? Have I hurt your feelings? Good. What is it? Sir, may I speak to you for a minute? Go. You have 35 seconds. Ah, well, sir, it seems... You have 48 seconds left. Hurry, hurry. In looking at your books, I've discovered that. 28 seconds. Hurry, hurry. You are using up your time. Mr. Bialystok, I cannot function under these conditions. You're making me extremely nervous. What is that? A, a, a handkerchief? It's nothing. Nothing. If if it's nothing, why can't I see it? Ah, my blanket! Give me my blue blanket! Here, don't, don't panic. I, I'm sorry. I don't like people touching my blue blanket. It's not important. It's a minor compulsion. I can deal with it if I want to. It's just that I've had it ever since I was a baby, and and, and I find it very comforting. They look. They come here. They all come here. How do they? How do they find me, Mister Bialystok? Yes, Prince Miskin, what can I do for you? This is hardly a time for levity. I've discovered a serious error here in the accounts of your last play. Where? What? According to the backers list, you raised $60,000, but the show you produced only cost 58000 There's $2,000 unaccounted for. Okay, so I went to a Turkish bath. Who cares? The show was a flop. What? fucking difference does it make? It makes a great deal of difference. That's fraud. If they found out you could go to prison? Why should they find out? It's only $2,000. Bloom, do do me a favor. I'll move the decimal points around. You can do it. You're, you're an accountant. The word count is part of your title. But that's cheating. It's not... It's not cheating. You know... It's charity. It's charity, Bloom. Look, look at me. Look at me. I'm, I'm drowning. Other men sail through life. My only struck has struck a reef. Bloom, I'm, I'm going under. I'm, I'm being sunk by a society that demands success when all I can offer is failure. Bloom, I am reaching out to you. Don't send me to jail. Help, help. Oh, oh dear, oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. Help! All right, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. Hi. Thank you, Bloom. I I knew I could count on you. Oh, it's all right. Well, well. Well, now, 
Nothing, nothing. Do Do it. Do it. Now, let's see. $2,000. That isn't much. I'm sure I can hide it somewhere. After all, the Department of Internal Revenue isn't interested in a show that flopped. Yes, right. Uh, good thinking. You you figure it out. I'm I'm tired. I'm I'm going to go take a little nap. Uh, wake me up if there's a fire. Now on the sun. Tweet us your answer at C A R N Y couch. So everybody, everybody, we're back, and that was a fantastic episode of Understudy. And now, One since we best. have video and we're streaming at Carney Couch on Twitch, everybody can see what we look like when we're listening to our own theme music. Uh, yeah, which is we, we <laughs> get off on it, baby. We love it. Brady, what's it? All about? Uh, that's a good question. That's a very good Watch question. What's it all about? What's it all about? Like I say, it's about its context more than anything. Because, like, I don't think this is, like... I don't find this, like, to be a deep and probing examination into these characters. And the reason for that, maybe, as we got into before, is they're more known for, like, the popular myth that gets circulated about them than their actual lives. You know, in reality... They were a couple of dumb kids. Uh, they did rob some banks, but mostly not banks. So, but it's how the story has been processed into this romantic tale of doomed uh, rebellion, standing up against you know the man, against the power systems. You know, it, it, which becomes less that when it's like, oh, you robbed like a mom and pop grocery store, right? But like, but that's not the point. The point is this movie's about iconography. It's about the moment that it's about the most for me is Bonnie realizing she should take the picture with the Texas Ranger where it's like it's about perception not of the reality but of like what the myth is. Quick note on the myth. I almost feel like uh, this movie is the reason why you know when you're a kid like around 8 or 9 you hear about Bonnie and Clyde. Uh, I mean, it's hard to say. I I haven't been yeah. able to live prior to this. Why not? <laughs> what the hell's wrong with you? Don't you live in the 20s and the 10s and the... Wait, no, this happened after that. Because <laughs> I'm too young. I'm too young. You know how people are always complaining about how young we, we still are. Um, no, But, but yeah. was Bonnie and Clyde a big deal uh, in the popular culture before this movie? Um, is kind of my thought. And I, I think the answer is yes, but probably just around those areas. I don't think it was quite... Re- yeah, and, like, consider that it had only had, like, 30 years anyway to, to germinate as an American myth, basically, at the time the movie was made. So it's like, yeah, like, maybe this was, like, a second life. I kind of have to think it might have even been a bigger life because this film is such a big deal. And, like, around this time, uh, one of my favorite Serge Gainsbourg songs, who's this... Uh, French 60s musician. He also like writes the song about Bonnie and Clyde. So I, I don't know. It was probably very popular in its day, but like clearly this thing takes on a huge second life in the 60s. Yeah. And then you get Little Diddy, Bad Jack and Diane. <laughs> Wait, they're not bank robbers, are they? I mean, sorry, I'm mixing it with Take the Money and Run. So. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, those guys maybe are. Because they take the money and run. Exactly. 
Jack and Diane, they're, they're like proto living on a prayer, those guys. They're just a couple of sad, mixed up kids. And their life goes on long after the thrill of living is gone. But I digress. So, Rob, what, what is it all about to you? I, I mean, I think it's about that journey that Bonnie goes through, which, which is like, okay, you decide, hey, man, uh, I don't want to do all this shit that society or my parents or the structures that be want me to do. And so I'm going to go run off and do this. But as you do that, you realize that you've given up everything that, you know, was going to be there for you. Maybe it was going to be, maybe it wasn't. I guess in the Depression, people were feeling a lot of, uh, maybe all the shit they promised me isn't actually going to happen. Um, and then uh, she gets very upset and has a lot of, I don't know, what you call it, ennui? Uh, yeah, a lot of ennui, yeah. Um, she says she has the blues. Yeah, and... Uh, I immediately thought, Kraft macaroni and cheese. Good job, Kraft. You've got that stuck in my head for 15 years plus. Uh, yes. Um, um. But at any rate, um, so it's about that journey. As She goes into the sort of, like, she's upset that she's actually not going to get all the things that um, she was going to have uh, that she didn't want. And then at a certain point, she accepts death, and that's when she reads the poem to uh, him, and which gets published in the newspaper too. Yeah. Um, no, interesting side note on the oh, how much was this a myth before the movie came out, or did it really exist? Hang out much past the heartland in Texas and uh, Oklahoma, where not this was happening. Um, I think if something like this were to happen today, a week later. Old news, we forgot all about it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, that's how quickly everything moves. So maybe, yeah, there was a lot more of a myth to this uh, because of the fact that things stuck around in the public consciousness for longer. I don't want to break up the conversation now, but I'm writing something down based on what you said to bring up uh, no, you later can't in the write. <laughs> okay, so... Yeah, and um, that's so anyway. Oh, sorry. No, bon you're still on. No, the short thing is Bonnie's uh, Bonnie's journey, right? Um, kind of into Clyde's sort of, uh, you know, Clyde born to a sharecropper and, and this and that, and him and his brother were criminals. And uh, I guess sharecropping's not a great uh, profession, so maybe he didn't have any promises. Oh no! Yeah, made to him, so he's just gonna kind of go through this. Yeah, and she actually had promises, and mm -hmm. um, yeah. but no, the way it sounds like neither of them had a lot going. Um, she had a waitress job. Yeah, but but that like her oh, mom had a car though. Uh, her car's a big ticket a item. That that is a big ticket item, which seems to be more than Clyde has. They were a lot easier to hotwire back then. You'd think everybody would just steal one. You would think. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I was going to say, like, kind of tapping into the rock and rollness of it all, and this is, like, basically predating this, I mean, yeah, for sure predating this very famous rock singer, but that scene at the very start, pretty close to the start, where Clyde is talking to her and kind of seeing through her, and he's telling her the story of her life, like, oh, you probably had, like, a few good dates, but they were dumb guys, they didn't understand you, they worked at the cement plant. Like, that whole story he weaves and contextualized in the idea of escape and of them hitting the road to find something better, even if it's doomed. 
is total Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. That is a Springsteen song right there. But, I mean, like, there's there's something uh, kind of nefarious that's hinted at it several times, right? Like, that despite the fact that she's going on with uh, Clyde and then she comes to accept it and, and goes through her journey, um, Clyde is still, in many times pointed to, is sort of nefarious. And, and the first hint is, like, the curl on her hair when they're talking. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's the thing that always stands out to me. I've seen that scene, like, a five, six times. Um, and when he goes, like, I don't, that, I don't like that. Change that. It's like, take the clip out and oh, fix yeah. it. Like, yeah. that's part of his, like, being controlling and this and that. Um, also, when they're running away and everybody's screaming and freaking out about, you know, Buck being shot and, and uh, her being wounded and so forth... Like his, his like sort of focused. I'm driving the car. I'm doing the thing. It's like that's when he seems most in his element. Is when everybody else is freaking out. Uh yeah. Oh um, yeah. Because there's yeah. Like the super just controlling, and it's almost passed off in a, in a nefarious way. It's like something's off with this guy, right? Like he's not motivated by sex. Right. Uh, which is something we As haven't talked about yet. Producer David said he's a, a bank robber sexual. Um, and there is, like, a, a cool shot that's just, like, a facial expression. And it's when things are most fucked up. Like, Buck's been shot. They're in the car. Like, you know, things have finally turned. Yeah. Uh, running from the cops at night. And you cut to Clyde, and he looks about the most turned on he has all movie. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's like... And it's like, he's not doing a good job either. Like, they're almost going to get caught. But he's like, yeah, no, this is the stuff. Yeah. He, he's a... He's a chaos fiend, I guess. He's a chaos fiend. Um, he seems to be pretty good, I guess, at robbery. But um, in the performance, which is like an interesting movie star performance, he also comes off as kind of a dim bulb to me. Like, yeah. He's kind of a dumbass. And, well, it's kind of loosey-goosey. It's like, it's just, like uh, obviously, he hadn't done much, right? The first stick-up they do, they go to a bank that's already been like ruined... And he kind of looks around and goes like, shit. <laughs> yeah. And then he goes and tells her and she just laughs at him. <laughs> Which, if I'm playing devil's advocate to myself, and part of myself is like, oh, like, this movie's, like, about dumb kids, and it's, like, it's maybe not that deep, and it's kind of, like, about surface-level style stuff, my devil's advocate to myself might be that there's something kind of knowing and subversive in how dumbly... Warren Beatty plays that part. Right. And he's letting us know, like, yeah, they're idiot kids. Like, you can tell this guy's, like, not a genius. He's not Jesus. <laughs> he's just a dumb shit who the only way he can get a heart on is robbing people. Like, that, um, which, like, I don't know. I'm going to have to marinate more on that. But uh, I do think it's an interesting performance uh, by young Warren Beatty. For that reason, very much so. I mean, I don't like really think about Warren Beatty. Um, it was weird because I didn't recognize him when I first saw this on the TV. I was like, Warren Beatty. What's uh, your other exposure to the guy? Dick Tracy. Dick Tracy. Yeah. And and I just think of him as old and like. Full uh, <laughs> Um Was he Daddy Warbucks too? No. Uh, Who's Daddy Warbucks? In in uh, friggin' Annie. Annie. It would be weird for him, like, 
he wouldn't be very old playing that role. Yeah, I guess not. I'm I don't check. know. I'm going to check. You keep going. I don't know. I think of... I, I guess I don't know Warren Beatty all that well. What is... Is the affiliation with him and Madonna, is that Dick Tracy? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah that okay. would have been... Yeah, because that's right in the 90s. Right. And her uh, her biography doc, with which he appears in, I believe, is right around that same year. Uh, her Truth or Dare and Dick Tracy, the movie, come out around the same time. Hmm. Well, so, oh, yeah. okay, I guess let's put it this way. I, I do like... Um, I do like his performance. I think it's uh, kind of nuanced, and it shows when he's pretty controlling, and it shows when he's pretty like, I'm just pretending like I know what the fuck I'm oh, doing. Oh, I'm flying there. Yeah. Yeah. So I like his performance. I um, uh, Faye Dunaway's performance, I mean, it's Faye Dunaway. She's pretty good, but it's a little over the top. It's okay. a little like, um, but I mean that's kind of been her thing, right? Like, I don't uh, know. She's pretty subtle in Chinatown. I mean, she has my mama. sister, my mother. <laughs> I know, but like, how else do you play that scene? <laughs> Ow! I've got a muscle tear. I've said this. Um, <laughs> I was gonna say though, over the top is is a uh, harsh maybe in a movie where Blanche exists. <laughs> maybe she's there to just make everyone else not look over the top. <laughs> Yeah, um, but I did feel it was like a little like, I'm sad right now, and you know, but you know, that's kind of her acting style, and there's a place for it, and this was an okay spot for it, it's it's not my favorite kind of acting. She's moody, she's vamping, Yeah, she's putting her leg up on the bumper of a car. She's big, she's big on screen, her face is big. A lot of close-ups in this movie too, they did some interesting like camera work cutting this, that. Like the yeah. the scenes with the the food, when they're eating the the burgers and they've got Gene Wilder and uh, and Wanda, what's her name? Uh, Blanche. Eloise. Oh no! Oh wait, uh, who? Uh, Gene oh, Wilder's. Gene Wilder's girlfriend. Love interest. Yeah. Ah uh, shit, Velma. 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 Yeah, I mean. And like, a Velma, she quite was. She's uh, pretty. One of the things that like uh, one of one of my favorite critics online. Uh, Tim Brayton points out, he's one of my favorite guys, um, but uh, he points out that, you know, it is a movie that in many ways is like, like Dun Dunaway's photograph moment is itself structured, mm -hmm. like a series of photographs and is like them striking the pose, which is, you know, where that like movie starness gets interesting. It's like, yeah, they're not deep. Like that's the point they're they're acting out a part and it's the part of their own lives, but they they kind of know these like very arch archetypy roles that they're playing and that's interesting to me with the, when we consider that the director Arthur Penn is a photographer or was it's like yeah it's he seems to kind of be interested in the idea of image making yeah um and like you say i think Dunaway's acting style definitely works for that in this well i guess we got some more themes to talk about but you want to do metacritical and then yeah then we'll come back to it. Oh. Yep. We'll actually do Metacritical now. Metacritical. Rob's never gonna win. This one's actually Metacritical. <laughs> Brady's the victor again. Woo -hoo. So it's time to play. 
I'm gonna lose today Metacritical, yeah, it's time Time to play Hey everybody, everybody, we're playing a little game called Metacritical um, If you're watching yeah. or listening, feel free to play along uh, This is simply, we each pick five movies and we try to... Oh uh, yeah, we, well, no, no, we pick a total of five movies. Um, is it five or four? Five. Yeah, and uh, we try to guess the Metacritic scores. The closest um, overall wins. So you know, like if it's seventy-five, yeah, it's a and I guess eighty, handicap. I'm off by five. Yeah. So that's and if you hit it dead on, you get a five-point deduction, right? Yeah. Uh, which has hosed me in the past. Like if you listened to our last episode, uh, yeah. 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 So you hosed me pretty bad. So we've got some pretty famous folk in this. Yes. A few of them, for sure, are movie stars. Okay. Uh, no, I'm just saying. What I'm just already do? pissy because I always lose this game. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Uh, who do you, who do we pick? Do we pick Hackman? Do we pick Beatty? Do we pick Dunaway? Why don't I go first? You go first. Chinatown from Bay Dunaway. Chinatown, which I'm not. I don't even know if like if it's going to be on Metacritic. No, I think it will for sure be on Metacritic. I don't know if it's a movie that we've Metacritic before. I don't think so. Okay. Um, we podcast. Interestingly, it. so Metacritic's a newer thing, so the critic stuff that they're going to put on there is going to be from nowadays. So this is. Uh, post Roman Polanski's fall, right? Sure, yeah. So that might hit it a little bit. But I mean, no, I mean I don't know. I mean, you would hope the critics would judge the work on its work, but that doesn't always happen. I I would. Well, we'll see. We'll see. I I would be more in that latter camp. I mean, it's a pretty good movie, and Especially I think the, I think critics think it's a pretty good movie. <laughs> it's it's a perfect movie. Um, but we'll see. So we'll I picked the movie. Why don't you guess first? I'm gonna go with a uh, 97. All right, I can go with 86. Okay. I think it's lower than that. All right, let me let me go ahead and look it up here. Uh, don't type in Metacritical, Rob. Type in Metacritic, because Metacritical is the name of the game and stuff. Chinatown. Grand Theft Auto: Chinatown Wars is <laughs> fresh at 90. Chinatown is green at 92. 92. Okay, so I'm off by six and you're off by five. Five. Pretty close game still. All right. Yeah. Yeah, why don't you take some Hackman action and and pick something? Or you could pick whoever you want. Hackman action. Uh, No, no, I I have to go off. The driver got in the sack with Harry Cole, who had a hairy back. Harry Cole's played by. By Gene Hackman. Yes. In the conversation, which we've podcasted about. We have. Uh, it's like episode 12 or something like that, if anybody mm-hmm. wants to check it out. Uh, let's go with... So instead of going off of Chinatown, I'll go off of Hackman. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, do uh, do whatever you want. Go off of Hackman. What Hackman, goddammit? Yeah. Have, have I, we think done... I think we've already done Enemy of the State. Yeah, I was going to ask. <laughs> what else is there if not Enemy of the State? Well, you certainly carjacked a really nice car. (laughs) That's a piece of shit. That's a piece of shit, goddammit. Pagoda. Uh, Gene Hackman. Oh, have we done French Connection? 
we did a podcast other, on French other Connection. Than a podcast? I guess we haven't done Metacritic on it. Okay, that's the one. All right, French Connection, William Friedkin, 1974? Two. Two? Wait, one. One. Because <laughs> it wins Best Picture. This is shit I used to know better than Brady. It, well, 72 is when The Godfather wins. Yes. Um, well, let me see. I think it's a good movie. Actually, uh, it's I seven. think critics might not really like it as much. I'm going to go with like 82. Okay, yeah. It's probably pretty good. Uh, let me go with 88. 88, he says. All right. He's betting too close to me, Brady. You're you're aiming too well. <laughs> All right. I should just pick what, what I think it actually is and add 26 or whatever the fuck it was. Oh, yeah, that system was working for you. Yeah, but you have... me with it less. Okay, what am I searching for? The, um, the French connection. Yeah, French. The French connection. 71. Oof. 94. 94. Okay, so 71. What did I say? No, it's from 1971. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so then 70 was Pat. What, I said 82 and you said 86? Yeah. Oh, shit. I lose out 40 you on that. Okay. Okay. What can we do here? Gene Wilder. Uh, let's do um, Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory. Uh, let's. Oh, yeah, I guess first time. Yeah, I picked the movie. You um, guess first. This is the third I like this movie, movie out of five. a lot. It's the movie that birthed a thousand memes, uh, and I think it's very yes, good. Tell me more about what you think. I think, uh, <laughs> I think, um, uh, the Gene Wilder meme, uh, might need to be put into retirement, but has certainly... Oh, right, yeah. Really, tell me about the, 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 the yeah that that meme that face created Bill Maher. He didn't exist <laughs> in the universe until Gene Wilder did. That. I didn't exist until Gene Wilder put his chin on his knuckles. Okay. <laughs> so, but I don't think critics like this as much. Like I think they do, but uh, it's definitely like a cult oh, film. Oh, you don't think they do, do you? I'm going with a 70. You're going with a 70. I'm going 70. Okay. Okay, America. But tell me about your You just rated man. it so high because you actually like children. Oh, God. <laughs> okay, I'll stop trying to do a Bill Maher impression. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I think I can make up some points on you by hitting... What yeah, do you think? I, I go too high or too low? Bullseye. I think you're too low. So... I mean, I think this movie is actually at a, a 96 to minus 26. Uh, oh, that's what you said. That's right where I am. <laughs> Shit. Uh, 78. 78, okay. Go to it. Oh, I, yeah, I have to do this part. I remember, it's Willy Wonka. You leave that Tim Burton, Charlie, and the Chocolate Factory nonsense out of this. This movie also from 1971... Is a 67. Yeah, now I knew it was... It's a little slept on because I think it's a funny movie. Okay. What'd you say again? 78. <laughs> Thank you, man. Okay. 
now it's back movie to number me. four, your choice. And to keep it consistent, we're pick trying a to... movie from 1971. <laughs> oh, I thought we were trying to picture uh, pick uh, <laughs> actors from Bonnie and Clyde. True. Uh, Dick. Tracy? We haven't done yeah Beatty yet, so I guess yeah, fine. Dick Tracy. Dick I just Tracy. recently saw it. I remember seeing it in the theater. Uh, yeah, me too. And I didn't really... It didn't work for me as a kid. I was too young. I was confused. And then I just rewatched it this year, and it... But uh, I think it was rules. highly rated. But Metacritic's a fickle bitch. So... She is. 68. Okay. Yeah. Let me go... 73. <sighs> It better be just super low. 68. Wow. Bullseye. 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 And I get to pick the last one. Cool. I think I might have made up the point. Mm. What right. did I, Let me see. Let's what did I make up? I made up 10. And mm -hmm. I've lost out like 18 on you or something like that. You're, so We're only so a few points apart. You're, you're about five, six points ahead of me. It's only a few. I think. <sighs> yeah, few. Okay. One few. Okay. Chain reaction. What's that? It's a movie from like '92. Who's in it? Keanu Reeves. They <laughs> they've discovered the secret of of cold fusion. Hey, you do this to me all the time. You pick movies that I know nothing about. <laughs> no, no, I I, I remember this of. movie existed. <laughs> I'm just not sure how it connects to Bonnie and Clyde. I'm trying to win the game. <laughs> Good. I love that. Okay. Right. I'm trying to pick something that you can't really hit better than I can. So I go first. Yes. I'll go with a 45. Shit. All right. I'm going to have to go lower. Let me see. I'm off by six or so, six or seven. So I'll go seven lower with 38. Okay. Chain reaction. Ooh, it's hard to find. Might have to. I bet it is. Chain reaction. Movies. It's not in here. That's a bummer. I think I might have done good on that. All right, so you pick one then. Yeah. Um, I picked. Oh, really? So you you lose the ability to pick because it's not there. Because uh, I chose a movie that doesn't exist. Okay. In the database. Okay. Okay. Uh, let's see. So who else is in this movie? I forget what else Michael J. Pollard is in. I know he's like an actor of note. Uh, Estelle Parsons is the pick mother. Pick something I know. In Roseanne. Pick something from the 90s. Which has John Goodman. Uh, let's go with John Goodman is in... Uh, Big Lebowski? True Stories. Oof. David Byrne movie. Oof. This is going to throw me too, because... Good. I don't know. Um, I think it's a great movie. It's also kind of a cult movie, so... We will see. 
87. 87, okay. So, mathematically, all I have to do is protect my lower end. <laughs> Isn't that always the way? Uh, I'll go 82. Alright. Stories only has two S's, Rob. True story, stories from 1986 is at 67. See, I knew it. It's a cult film, but it's it's so much better than that. All right, you won, Brady. So, you won again. You won again. Even when um, I do super well, you win, as we recall from two episodes ago. Okay, um, so, but at the end of the day, I only won by eight points. What? Yeah, I only won by eight uh, points. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Well, what are the scores? Uh, hold on, I'll tell you. It's, uh, it's what is that? It's uh, eighteen, yep, and then thirty, and then I got ten. Yeah, uh, you have a 38, I have a 30. Both are pretty good scores. Yeah, those are good scores. All right, well. Time for you to a Metacritical. Get cussed out by past Fuck you. Fuck you, everyone. Wait. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, dear viewers, he didn't mean that. It was a Christmas greeting. <laughs> All right, so we got more to talk about with this thing. You, you, you had a thing, then you wrote it down in something, something. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I don't even have to look. I know what it is. Uh, what you made me think of is, when was the last time we really mythologized a criminal in our American culture? Let's I mean, say. Al Capone. Okay, that was a pretty long time ago. That's like basically Bonnie and I, Clyde's time. Yes. Harambe? <laughs> hey, Harambe! Harambe is a martyr. That's true. Um, okay, Tiger King. <laughs> do we, do we, I mean, I don't think anyone who watches Tiger King is like, I need to be more like Tiger King. Uh, Henry Wayne Gacy. <laughs> do, we, do we mythologize him? I mean, he is definitely infamous. But like, what I mean is like, romanticizing a criminal like, to the point, like, people are even taking, like, like, the best example I can think of of recenter times isn't, I don't think, even a real criminal. It's Scarface, like, which people do by watching that movie wrong. No one can touch me. <laughs> like, the point of Scarface is I should be like Scarface, even though he dies. Uh, but, like, yeah, like, what's... Let me think if I can... I mean, like, I guess... Technically, if you consider that he is wanted for illegal activities, you could say, uh, you know, what's his name? NSA guy. Oh, yeah, Snowden. Snowden, I think, is, like, actually an example. Um, I, I guess it's just hard to mytho mythologize people anymore because they're... They're well-covered. 
Well, everything is just everybody's got a camera in their pocket. Yeah. And it's not like I'm getting my information off of dime store novels that like can gild the truth. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm tr- I'm trying to think of more things. Um. Oh. Here's another point about the movie. Mm. Uh, Clyde is a little disturbed when Buck's all reading like the newspaper about like their escapades and this and that and what the news thinks about it. Uh, yeah. He's a little uncomfortable and like unnerved. What's the deal with that? I don't know. Actually, I didn't notice that he was disturbed about it. But but if yeah, you're right. Bonnie, Bonnie's like really into it, and and Buck's really into it, and he's he's just like kind of squirming. Um, um, I don't know. Maybe he sees the negative writing on the wall, but I, I actually don't know. I like, think it was, I was getting the feeling that it was, uh, it was less, he had, I, I guess if I were to, I was going to ask you because I thought that you might have a thing on it. I actually did not pick up on that. But if I answer my own question, because I'm the only one who noticed, because I'm the only one yeah. viewing this, you know, intently, man. Um... I'm thinking that the reason is because he was um, not having control over what they were writing. They were writing a bunch of stuff that wasn't true. They were attributing more things to them and this and that. And everyone else was loving the sensationalism of it, but he's like... And as you see, also, um, from then on, he starts... And this is like right when the sheriff shows up. But from then on, he starts sending stuff to the newspaper because he wants to have control over, right. like, you know, if they're not going to true, uh, if they're not going to have true things. Well, then I'll give them the untrue things to say. I don't like this, y'all, pinning it on us, and me not controlling that. Right. So yeah, again, the nefariousness of. I mean, I'm beating it like a dead horse, but. Um, the nefariousness of, of Buck is that he has to have control over everything, like, you know, the curl and this and that. Maybe that's that's why he's not uh, very sexual. He's like, I don't want to lose control. And, like, and have he to clean up a mess. At the, end. <laughs> at the end, he fucks, finally. And then he dies. Yeah, We, I mean, we didn't mention that. They finally have sex. That's at true. At the very, very end. They do, and then they die. I mean, this is what happens in horror movies, man. You die. He's the, um, he's not the final girl. No one is the final girl in Bonnie and Clyde. What, do you have anything else you want to bring up? Because I'm, I'm, I'm no, about done there. I'm ready to pick the next movie. Yeah, no, I, I think I'm done too. Um, a good movie, good movie. Alrighty. Well, what do you want to watch next week? Um, I'm gonna, what did I say the last time? Uh, you said Pride and Prejudice. You oh, yeah. said uh, okay. Devil's Advocate. Except, um, yeah, um, that one was yours, but but I did pick it. Uh, no, let me go with True Grit, the 2010 uh, True Grit. Oh, okay, that's a good one. I'm gonna I'm gonna put Devil's Advocate in there again. Okay, and do we pick a second? Yeah. Uh, I will we can go pick several. I'll go with burning. Okay, I I'm gonna pick the bandwagon again, which is the the noir murder musical. Okay, so that's that's what's in the running. 
Uh, what do we? What, you want some else? No, no, I think I, I think I can put something else in. Okay, put something else in. And fear and desire. Fear and desire. Who, who's that by? Kubrick. Kubrick. Oh, okay. Uh, and then I'll throw in Michael Clayton. Okay. Well, you got one of mine you want to put up? Uh, I got <laughs> burned by this last time. I'll go first. I'll okay, put you up. Go first. I'll put up one of yours, which is the Devil's Advocate, right? <laughs> no. No. Uh, what'd you have? Uh, I had Michael Clayton burning and True Grit. Okay, I'd like to talk about Michael Clayton. Okay, and of yours, let's see. You got the Bandwagon. You got what were the other two? Uh, fear and Desire. Bandwagon, Fear and Desire, and uh, Devil's Advocate. Um, I'm doing it for David. I'm doing it for David, the Devil's Advocate. Right on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, producer David is sitting in the other room making all this fancy camera switch happen, so much thanks to him, but he just popped in our ear and said, Yeah! <laughs> I, I like the picture that David is now doing the uh, Homer Simpson sideways on the floor walk. <laughs> All right, are you ready to one, two, three, shoot? I'm ready, but we got to pick even or odds first. Odds. Odds, and I'm evens. Okay, so after three. One, two, three, shoot. Odds. Odds. Okay, but you picked mine. Yeah, I did. Uh, Why did I try to win? Michael Clayton. Michael Clayton, that's the next movie for next week. Okay. Okay, well, uh, did we mention anybody? Um, no, I don't think we did. Nah. David Shalin. <laughs> <laughs> Theme song. <laughs> Carnivorous couch. Shit happens once a week. It swallows us for two hours when we try to sleep. It forces us to watch a film about which we then speak. Carnivorous couch. I'm trying to be all the SNL kids. With Brady and Absolutely. Rob. Thank you.